It's time to think about the Bible like you never have before. This is Christian Questions. After the podcast, check out everything ChristianQuestions.com has to offer. Also see our weekly video series releases at ChristianQuestions.com slash YouTube. Now, here's your hosts, Rick and Jonathan. William James once said, The greatest weapon against stress is our ability to choose one thought over another. I'm Rick, and this is not your typical Christian commentary as we look at Bible-related topics from a different perspective. Joining me, as always, is Jonathan, my co-host, for more than two decades. This podcast centers on godly principles, family values, and honest dialogue in a politically free zone. So, Jonathan, what is our topic for today's episode? Well, Rick, our question is, is your COVID-19 Christianity still being tested? And our theme text is found in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. Okay, so is your COVID-19 Christianity still being tested? And joining us also today is Julie. Hi, gentlemen. And you know, when we did our two coronavirus podcasts back in March and April this year, we asked how it fit into God's plan and if the effects of lockdown and scarcity changed our characters for better or worse. Okay, well, we're still (laughs) dealing with this unthinkable disease, and it's wearing us down in a lot of ways. So check out our previous episodes, number 1119 and 1122. Okay, thank you. So, coming up in today's podcast, so what if you're a Christian, you lost your job or business due to COVID? Does that mean that God has forsaken you? What should you do? We're going to talk about this in about 15 minutes. How about your personal relationships? Has COVID put serious strain on them? As Christians, what path should we take? Find out the several steps to take in about 30 minutes. Does the COVID-19 virus represent the end of the world and the beginning of Armageddon? What should we be doing? Well, listen for our perspective on this in about 45 minutes. But first, let's get started with the present COVID chaos that we're all experiencing. Wearing a mask when you go out. Cleaning and sanitizing anything and everything all the time. Social distancing. Avoiding crowded places. Working from home or not being able to work at all. Seeing friends and family on Zoom instead of in person. It's enough to make the strongest among us feel battle-worn. And Julie, that's what you just said. We're edgier, suffer higher levels of anxiety, and we're lonely. All of this because of COVID-19, a microscopic virus. So how small is this virus? Well, I want to give you a very, very unscientific Rick illustration on this. Imagine stacking up, flatly stacking up eight sticky notes. There, if you eight sticky notes, you put them one on top of the other. They're about one millimeter in height. Now a micron is one one thousandth of that height. It would take about eight COVID virus particles to equal one micron, which means you could stack up eight thousand COVID particles, and they would be equal to the eight sticky notes that are about a millimeter thick. That's one small little virus. How can something so minute turn our lives so upside down? As Christians, how do we cope? Well, Rick and Julie, we're approaching our first segment with the focus on complacency. Okay, complacency. How do we handle the very real issues before us? How does the no end in sight possibility that COVID-19 has presented 
feed a rationalized or lazy approach to our Christian life. You know, I read this uh, National Geographic. They just published an article dated uh, last week, September 22nd of this year, called Why Our Minds Can't Make Sense of COVID-19's Enormous Death Toll. And it explained that although more than 200,000 people in the United States have died and about a million worldwide at this point, researchers say our brains aren't wired to make sense of these big numbers. You know, we're also trying to digest death tolls amid other worries like economic uncertainty, civil unrest, wildfires, hurricanes, geopolitical strife, election tensions, and really unprecedented shifts in how we work, shop, socialize, and educate our children. So if you're already stressed out, that 200,000 statistic becomes just another thing. The magnitude of the death toll can make us less compassionate. So the article said, our feelings are very strong for one person in danger, but they don't scale up very well. If there are two people, you don't feel twice as bad. Mm. Your attention gets divided. You don't have as strong an emotional connection. So the long duration of this pandemic, combined with that absence of a clear end, can dull people's sense of shock. We've gotten used to hearing about these deaths. We can't emotionally register anymore. So you, you look at this and say, wow, this is big, and it feels like this has never happened before. And I just, I just want to put a little bit of perspective on that, that thought that this has never happened before. Let's go back to 1914. World War I starts in 1914. It runs from 1914 through 1918, and then the Spanish flu hits the world. Let me just put those few years, 1914 through 1919, in perspective. You had a world war and the Spanish flu. Between World War I and the Spanish flu, 20 million people died as a result of World War I and another 50 million as a result of the Spanish flu. 70 million people died in five years from those two things. Now, the world population at that point was under 5 billion, which means 14% of the world's population passed away as a result of World War I or the Spanish flu. And understand that the people that died from the Spanish flu were young. So when we look at this and we say, wow, this has never happened before. It's never happened to us before. But there have been times of grave difficulty and tragedy before that we're just not aware of. We can't identify with. So this is different for us, but it's not different for the world in general. Having said all that, let's go to... Um, a soundbite about what happens to our brain with this social distancing thing. This is from loneliness, isolation during COVID-19 from Let There Be Health. If we can't form deep social connections because, say, we're social distancing due to a global pandemic, our bodies go into survival mode. We start producing more cortisol, a stress hormone that keeps us alert to threats. Our bodies experience more overall inflammation a way to prepare to heal any injuries we might get while out on our own without help. And our sleep becomes shallower so we can wake up to dangers in the night. These survival responses help us get through short, threatening bursts of isolation. But the longer we're lonely, the more these changes wear on our cells and organs. That's why perpetually lonely people are at higher risk for mental, physical, and emotional problems and have weakened immune systems. So there we are. And we got to thinking about having these weakened immune systems. 
we want to strengthen our Christian immune system to counter these far-reaching effects of COVID-19 and its fallout. So throughout this program, we're going to point out some symptoms of a weakened spiritual immune system. We'll suggest a total of eight red flags. See if any of these apply to you. Here's the first two. Number one, loss of love toward God. And number two, dimming our faith and trust in the Lord's providences. So just like it said, eating blueberries and avocados can boost our natural immune system, there are certain things that we can do spiritually to help protect us. We're going to call these immunity boosters. So here's your first immunity booster. Reset. I must key in on my own thinking and adjust it accordingly. So key in on what I'm thinking. Forget about everybody else. Forget about everything else. How am I processing things? And how do I reset it? To do that, Jonathan, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 through 16. We'll stop at a couple of points as we go through. According to the grace of God which was given to me, like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation, and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Okay, so let's, let's pause there. When we reestablish our foundation, we reestablish our most important thing. This is necessary to be able to assess how we're building on that most important thing. So the first piece of resetting is making sure we see and understand our foundation. And Rick, no matter what anyone says with all the negativity during this difficult time, we stand on the foundation of Christ. We have to, and that's the point. And if we are teetering, we have to see what we're standing on because it's not the solid foundation of Christ. So let, let's, let's continue with this scripture, Jonathan. Now, if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. So we have to ask ourselves, are our building materials precious and of great value, or are they earthly commodities? Hard things are meant to test how we build our lives on the foundation of Jesus. And when you think about gold, silver, and precious stones, you think about like gold and silver, they're refined by the heat of fire. What happens to wood, hay, and straw? Well, you put them in the heat of fire and they're gone. What is it that I am building my Christian life with? Is it those precious things in the sight of God? Or is it earthly things that kind of look good, get the job done, but they're not what we're supposed to be building with. So it's not just our resetting to the foundation, it's to resetting to the building with the appropriate things on that foundation. Jonathan, let's go back to the verse. If any man's work which is built on and it remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved yet so as through fire. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Okay, so even in the fire of trial and testing, if we're building according to the specs of the architect, the structure is meant for eternity, okay? So it doesn't matter what's happening, what we build is meant to be there for eternity. Let's look at Matthew six thirty-three. And Rick, this is one of your favorite scriptures, I know this. Yes, it is. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So there's an article, another article that I found on NBCnews.com. Uh, 
and gave some really interesting facts. It said, people in spiritual distress often no longer believe the world is a safe place and they might lose hope and have difficult time finding meaning and purpose in what's happening to them. Spiritual struggle is a key indicator of negative medical outcomes. A two-year study by the Duke University Medical Center found that religious struggle, which uh, is tension, strain, conflict about spiritual matters, is a predictor of mortality in medically ill elderly patients. And for churchgoers, feeling alienated from or unloved by God, for instance, was linked with a 19 to 28% increase in risk of dying during the course of the study. So this concept we have of this spiritual immune system and having to boost it up, it's a really big deal. And we, we need to really take that strength. Now, when it comes to the topic of complacency, you're both pastors in your respective congregations. How are you handling Zoom church? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's been convenient, but I personally tend to feel a little disconnected from the whole experience. Yeah, it, it's, it's a difficult, it's a challenge, but, you know, and that's what we're doing at this point. We actually had begun, because we have a small group, we had begun, our small, small group, actually, we don't have a building, we actually meet in my office space, and we had begun meeting at the office space again uh, about two months ago, every other week, and we did the distancing, and, and we had the sanitizer, I mean, we just, we set it all up so everyone would be comfortable, and it was really wonderful to get back together. Then, of course, this is not COVID-related, but, you know, life happens. A tornado came through our hometown, and it actually ripped part of the roof off of the building I'm in. I'm on the third floor, that's the top floor, and then it started raining in my office. So, <laughs> oh, no. so, so I no longer have that office. It has been completely gutted. It has to be rebuilt, and I'm in a tiny little space until, so now we can't do the meetings together. Uh, so we're back to Zoom, but it's a blessing, even though it's not absolutely ideal. Jonathan, what about you? Well, we've been doing our Bible studies on Zoom for on Wednesdays and Sundays, for our group, it's been a blessing in some ways because several are able to join us who would not physically be there before COVID due to either location or work schedule issues. Participation in the studies actually has increased for many. I don't know if it's because they're more comfortable on Zoom than in person, uh, but not only do we do Bible studies, we also have testimony meetings for the brethren to share what they're going through and how we can pray for them and encourage them. Uh, we have time before and after studies for a little bit of fellowship, but not a lot. But even though these positives are good, we still miss being together. And one of the sad things is, you know, babies have been born and we don't even get to see them grow up yeah, yeah. And, and create a bond with them. So that's kind of sad. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of sad things about the lack of actual physical contact and presence. And, you know, once you begin to live uh, with a sense of isolation and away from others, the walls just always just get thicker. And you have to be really careful of that. So, so go ahead. We do recommend getting into small Bible study groups, though, during this time. We've had several people write in and say that they're using this Christian Questions audio podcast together with the CQ Rewind show notes that we provide for each episode as the basis for their weekly study. And they use the one-page study questions that we provide it at no cost, of course. And it's an easy way to connect with others who want to go deeper into the lessons, kind of Bible study in a box. It's all, it's all set up for you. So the concept here is reset. We want to do whatever we can to reset so we're focusing in on the most important things. Let's go back to how isolation, uh, to, uh, I'm sorry, to another soundbite. It's called how isolation, this is great, how isolation can kill you. <laughs> and it's talking about loneliness. 
Humans are a social species, and so prolonged isolation isn't good for our body and mind. But neither is the coronavirus. So how can we continue practicing social distancing and quarantining while also taking care of our social needs? First, understand. Recognize your need for social interactions. Educate yourself with a number of the scholarly articles out there that break down the science and how isolation affects your brain, body, and behavior. For instance, open the blinds of your house during the day because sunlight helps set your circadian rhythms, which helps you sleep better at night. The more you educate yourself, the better you'll also be at fighting the stigma that loneliness only happens to certain people. Loneliness is a shared human experience that happens to everyone at one time or another. It's certainly nothing to feel ashamed or embarrassed about. So we do have to be careful with the loneliness factor because it can really take its toll on us. So as we wrap, Jonathan, go ahead. Yeah, I I did want to mention some sad news. Um, A friend of ours that we knew from Bible camps uh, many, many years ago, she was involved, passed away this uh, past week. And our heart goes out to her family. Uh, The pressures of life, the loss uh, of hope and loneliness really contributed to her death. So that soundbite, is, is real of what he was talking about. And um, it's just a sad, sad thing to, to find out. It is, it is. And, and, and when you see that and you see somebody who, who's in this situation and like, you know, you lose hope. Folks, this is why we're talking about it because it's so easy to lose hope. And we're here to tell you that as a Christian, you have incredible opportunity to rekindle your own hope, and that's why this first immunity booster is to reset, get back to the foundation of Christ, because it's solid. So as we wrap up each segment, Jonathan, we want to do a, you know, you want to get this immunity booster, and then we need a vaccination. We need the spiritual vaccination for COVID chaos. What is it for this, this segment? Reset your mind on building the right structure upon the right foundation with the right materials. Remember, what and how we build is precious to God. It is so important to remember what and how we build is precious to God by building on that one foundation. See, when trouble hits, some answers always seem to rise to the top. In this case, we need to get back to basics. A spiritual foundation is a start. What about when we are in serious financial trouble due to COVID? If you love our podcast, show us some love on social media. Search for our handle at CQ Bible Podcast, or just search for Christian Questions on Instagram, Pinterest, Facebook, and Twitter. Now back to our discussion. So this is a hard and practical question. What if we're out of work and running out of money as a result of the COVID lockdowns? Do we find our faith draining away with our financial security? We need to focus ourselves on the right kind of actions to manage this very real and serious issue. In this segment, we will talk about economic uncertainty. Okay, economic uncertainty. Uh, Julie, we've got a really good quote from Renee Jane. Don't believe every worried thought you have. Worried thoughts are notoriously inaccurate. And restating that, when you panic, you make bad decisions. Yeah, well, and, and, and we tend to worry about possibilities and not realities. And in most cases, the possibilities do not come to fruition. So please be aware, worry can really, really bog you down. Well, we have two more red flags for you. Remember, these are symptoms of a spiritually weakened immune system. 
and these include number three, inclination not to be fervent in prayer, and four, this is big, decrease in our zeal and energy in his service and in the study of his word. So if you are experiencing either of these things, we may have a spiritually weakened immune system. So here's your immunity booster. Respond. I must look at my circumstances when they're bleak and see them through spiritual eyes, doing whatever I can to fulfill my responsibilities. And I'm going to throw in some stories from Americans suffering from the pandemic's financial fallout during this segment at pbs.org. Juliana E. said this, credit card payments, loan payments are all late. You obviously amass many late fees with those. If this goes on for another month or two, I mean, how am I supposed to really recover from that? It's hard to stay centered, Rick and Jonathan, when you're under financial stress. It is. It is. And and there, there's there's a lot that you can do. But when it's overwhelming you, you it feels like there is no way out. And and that's where the de- depression and the despair begin to set in. You know, and it's, this is about coping. This segment really is about coping under these very, very difficult circumstances. All of our experiences, even our financial hardships, are preparatory and necessary work. They're preparatory. Now, sometimes when we have these hard trials, we f- feel that they're predatory. We feel like they're coming after us. They're predators. But really, our hard experiences are not predatory. They're preparatory because God is putting them in place so that we can learn and grow and mature and shine as a result of them. Jonathan, Romans 8, 18 and 19. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. The sufferings aren't worthy to be compared. Respond to hardship with conviction that is valuable. To respond means to act. And that means not just talk about it or complain about it, but to actually do some concrete steps to help yourself. Right. So the idea here, you know, first was reset. Where are you? What's your foundation and what are you building on? Now, what are you doing? And especially in the context of financial, those kinds of difficulties, what can we do? Let's go back to how isolation can kill you. Uh, Again, a little bit more on loneliness. Second, act. Seek relationships. Texting and email is one way, but the most effective way would be video calls through apps like FaceTime, Zoom, and Skype, where you can make eye contact with the other person. Make sure you're seeking intimate relationships with people who truly know you and can love you, not hundreds of shallow relationships with strangers on social media. Authentic relationships isn't something you fall backwards into accidentally. It requires time, energy, and honesty. Breaking free from an individualistic mindset that looks inwards and turning towards a more communal mindset that cares for those around you is a good way to not only help others, but also to feel connected to the outside world and the collective goal to which we're all striving. So make relationships a priority. You know, the idea of acting on that. So we said, okay, we're talking about financial issues here. Well, why are we talking about relationships? Because we need connection to help us cope with those kinds of things. So it's really important to spread out those connections in appropriate ways that are actually personal and uplifting. Don't get the connection that you're just, that's going to bring you down. You need the connections that can build you up. And as Christians, we should be looking to 
help others be built up on these things. So let's look at the response mechanisms that we have to work on. God's proven his grace to faith in him. His grace is, 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 is always responding to faith in him. He delivers us through hardship, not from hardship. That's a big deal. Romans 8, 31 and 32. What then shall we say to these things? Is God for, if God is for us, who is against us? He would not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? So respond to hardship, knowing that hardship is an asset and not a liability to our Christian growth and maturity. Hardship, asset. It's something valuable because God gives it to us so we can learn from it. So in that scripture, when it says, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? That doesn't mean God's going to give us a million dollars in our bank account and the perfect job and an expense account, right? right. This is spiritual gifts right. that we're going to get, which at times may be like, ugh, I'd rather have the money. But that's not true. Right. See, the whole point is, the, and we're going to get to this in a moment, the experiences of our life now are a moment. And what we need to see is, what am I being prepared for? And the answer is eternity. Compare 2020, because everybody's saying, I just want 2020 to be over. Compare 2020 to 100 years, to 1,000 years, to 10,000 years. And all of a sudden, it doesn't mean anything. It's just a blip. And that's what we're being prepared for. Julie, you had more statistics? Yeah, we've got one more PBS.org uh, statement here. Ashley H. said, I have a son. He's 10 months old. I have to pay for his health insurance as well as mine without having a paycheck. We had to take out a loan just because formula is so expensive. It ended up being $900, but we took out a loan and we pay it monthly. So that's something else I have to worry about. Can you imagine taking out a loan to feed your child? That's, that's desperation. It is. It is. And you feel like, I don't know how, to, how this is going to end. And you're right. You don't know how this is going to end. But as Christians... We have faith in the providence that brings us through it. See, the greatest victories that God has planned for us are usually shrouded in deep distress. We know this from Romans chapter 8, verse 35, and then 37 through 39. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I love that phrase in this verse, overwhelmingly conquering. Now, it doesn't mean the experience ends. It means we have a way to handle it. And we're learning what we need to learn while we go through the experience. And that's the point. As a Christian, the point of our experiences is not to be delivered from them, but to be delivered as a result of them and through them and grow in Christ. That's what we go through these things for. So when we have these experiences, we need to respond, act in a way that says, God, I know you've got your finger on my pulse, and I can therefore move forward. Respond to hardship with the promise of conquering, even when we're seemingly defeated. We need to act. I have one more PBS.org comment. Ginger said, 
I think a lot of small business owners are frankly worried. Applying for a loan in a regular environment is stressful, but doing it in this kind of climate where you know you might not survive if you don't get it is really heart-wrenching. And that, that really struck me because, ugh, boy, you're in a bad situation here. So we've got to have some sort of action to get out of it. And that might involve help, asking for help. Yeah, and, and we're, we're going to touch on that in just a, just a couple of minutes here. But the point is, it's hard. And there are many of us that are going through very, very difficult times. And if you're in that situation, one of the things we need to do as a Christian is to look for whatever the options are, legal, of course, and, and full of integrity, but the kinds of options that we can apply ourselves to to help us bridge whatever it is we're dealing with. See, we've got to remember our value is not determined by worldly success. It's not determined by net worth. It's not determined by social acceptance. Matthew 10 29 to 31. Are not two sparrows sold for a cent? And yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So do not fear. You are more valuable than many sparrows. So, Rick and Julie, we need to be courageous. Uh, Fear is a tool of Satan. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is action in the presence of fear. Respond. To respond means to act. And even if we're afraid, it doesn't mean we can't be courageous. Act in the presence of fear. And that is courage. So, so Jonathan, our spiritual vaccination for COVID chaos here in relation to managing through these things, what is it? Respond with righteous action and spiritual assurance to your hardship, knowing that faith and principle-driven responses always produce godly fruitage. Go ahead. In other words, do what you need to do with your strongest spiritual conviction so that you can come out the other end and say, I was blessed by that. And, you know, sometimes being blessed by something doesn't mean that it was, it was comfortable, it was easy, and it worked out. Sometimes things don't work out, and we're still blessed by them. And we need to understand that. But it doesn't mean you sit back and say, oh, woe is me. As a Christian, we need to stand up and do whatever it is that we possibly can. You know, that's why fellowship is such an important thing. We need fellowship. We need other Christians around us because sometimes we need to ask for help. And you need two things to ask for help. You need that courage and you need humility. But when we are connected with one another, it's much easier to be able to support one another. So if we're the one in trouble, we've got to take action which, you know, we may have to ask for help. But for those of us on the other side, when we see our brother or sister in such a hard spot, we've got a responsibility as well. And that, I think, is really well shown in James 2, 15 to 17. If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and be filled, and yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. Well, this is about not accepting the difficulties lying down. We need to be a warrior through the difficulties and trials, whatever the circumstance may be. And, you know, it's not just the person going through the circumstance, our fellow Christian going through the circumstance, who has to be the warrior, Make no mistake, what James is saying is, those of you around those individuals, in your fellowship, if you observe your brother or sister having to take out a loan for their baby formula, do something about it. 
Those of us, now look, you may not be in great shape, but here's the thing. Am I in better shape than they are? Then let me reach out and help. And we need to take care of one another because that is what Jesus would do. We can't let somebody else, any, any, any of, our, of, of our own numbers, suffer like that. We have to be a family. And again, fellowship is such an important aspect of this whole thing. So whether you're the one going through the trial or you're, you're one who sees the trial, action is always the best answer. It's so important to remember, remember that our Christian faith boils down to Christ-like actions in all aspects of life. General and financial hardships can easily harm our relationships. How do we counter this problem? Our team of volunteers are accomplishing amazing work every week as we release new audio, video, and web content, helping create the Christian Questions Multimedia Ministry. There's several ways you can get more involved in our not-for-profit mission. Click on Support CQ in our main menu on ChristianQuestions.com. Relationships, relationship stress is very real and can be a life breaker. The strain of the COVID-19 fallout has likely adversely affected marriages and family relationships, especially when they were already strained. This is not an issue of not only managing my, my own attitudes, but the attitudes of others as well. And so it's, a, it's about attitudes on, on every level. And we will consider relationships during this segment. So, and relationships is a really big deal here as we try to un- understand what we need to do in the era of the COVID-19 chaos that we're facing. So we had my friend, uh, Dr. Wendy Trina, professor of microbiology at Marshall University, give us some data about the disease back in parts one and two of our coronavirus series. So I asked Dr. Wendy if she could give us some updates on what's happening with these vaccines that we all want to be successful. So vaccine development for SARS-CoV-2 is proceeding at an unprecedented rate and with a large amount of resources being directed at all of these efforts. At no other time in history has there ever been so many concurrent vaccine candidates being worked on for a single infectious agent as we now see for this virus. The majority of the vaccine candidates being developed target the viral spike protein, which is what binds the virus to human airway cells. Hence, antibodies produced to this protein are expected to provide protection against infection. A number of studies have shown that antibodies to the spike do work to neutralize the virus, making it unable to bind to cells and culture, which essentially means it is highly likely that there will ultimately be a successful vaccine. For seven of the most promising candidates, even while vaccine trials are ongoing, manufacturing has begun simultaneously, so that once a vaccine is approved, it can be distributed a lot sooner. But that sounds like good news, doesn't it? Yeah, you know, that's hope in a, in, a, in a moment where you really, really need some. And they are working really, very, very hard on these things. And there's, like she said, seven leading candidates here. So, yes, there's something there on the physical side to definitely look forward to. Jonathan, we have a really great quote from John Newton. We can easily manage if we will only take each day the burden appointed to it. But the load will be too heavy for us if we carry yesterday's burden over again today and then add the burden of the morrow before we are required to bear it. When we're looking at the idea of relationships, 
we've been looking at the human experience and see that rituals mark time and the pandemic ruined certain traditions and rites of passage like birthday parties and weddings and graduations and even back to school shopping trips not being able to attend funerals or memorial services adds another layer of confusion to the grief and holding on to traditions or creating new ones is very crucial for us humans rituals help people recover more quickly when we're facing loss or grief because they cause for a pause a reflection and they allow us to process we have lost a lot especially the children that usually have these types of rituals ingrained in them yeah you know and and you, you think about rituals and you know weddings and funerals and so forth and 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 they do they're, they're markers in our lives and just a quick side story um we have a Siku contributor, young a young sister in Christ. I was talking to her the the other day, and you know, and she had very patiently for a very long time looked for the right individual. You know, waited for for God's providence to open up the right individual to, to marry. marry. To marry, yes. And so she's engaged, and they can't get married because the other, the her her fiance is in a different country. And there is no travel between that country and this country. And so I'm talking <laughs> oh, no. to her, you know, and she says to me, it was, it's funny. It's not funny, but it's funny, but it's not, but it is. It's not funny. It is funny. <laughs> she says, you know, I always thought the hard part would be getting the man, not marrying him. <laughs> oh. And, you know, it's just a matter of, it's just another interruption to the normal flow of life. And we've got to realize that it really does wreak havoc on our relationships in so many different ways. Definitely. And here's some more red flag symptoms of a weakened spiritual immune system. So watch out for these. Number five is a loss of interest in our brethren, which is our Christian family. And number six, less desire to have companionship and fellowship with our brethren. It's kind of like out of sight, out of mind, or out of three dimensions. Is that Zoom's only, you know, one dimension or two dimensional? It's, it's, it's a problem. So what's our immunity booster? We want to revitalize. I must willingly revitalize my relationships, beginning with my own privilege and weaknesses, so I can accept another's privilege and weaknesses. Okay, so revitalize. Again, all of these things, if you notice, are about me. They're about resetting our, my foundation. It, it's about responding, acting, and now it's revitalizing, just, just overhauling, doing what I have to do to make things again work because sometimes something like the pandemic is going to take the desire away. And we have to say, enough of that. It's time to move forward. So um, let's look at how we're going to revitalize. First, first I have to know who I am. Romans 12, 3. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. Okay, don't think more highly than I ought to think, but understand who I am. Revitalizing my place and my status with God in Christ gives me a solid foundation for relationships with others. Understand something. A relationship with another person doesn't just drop into your lap and work wonderfully. The stronger we are in terms of who we are, the better the opportunity for that relationship to work. I've got to revitalize me, wipe out the pandemic problems in my own head so that I can move forward with that. And Rick, 
that made me think of the phrase mercy. And uh, the Lord's been teaching me over this past week a lot of lessons on being merciful. And each one of these points you're bringing out, it made me really focus. We need to be merciful with ourselves before God because we fall short daily. Yeah. But we, that, that should not stop us right. from going to God. Right. As a matter of fact, that's what moves us forward is, is be merciful to yourself. God knows that you fail. So admit it while he understands it and then let him pick you up. So I have to know who I am. Secondly, I must know what I'm part of. This is really important as a Christian. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 18, and then 21 and 22. But now God has placed the members, each one of them in the body, just as he desired. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body, which seem to be weaker, are necessary. I have a, a quote I'd like to read, and this comes from a book called Suitcase Full of Grace by Lonnie Boyd. Fellowship helped me realize what God truly meant when he said, it is not good for man to be alone. We all like to think that we are strong and can face challenge on our own, but the truth is that we were created to be a family, to rely on one another, to be a community. Find your people and tell them what they mean to you. They are waiting. And they need you just as much as you need them. See, the idea of fellowship, and, and you know, we talked about Zoom Church earlier on in the podcast. One of the things that's really difficult for me, especially as we look at the Zoom experience, it, it's, it's a blessing, it's a wonderful thing to have it, but you're not in the same room, you're not connected, you don't have the opportunity for that one-on-one -on -one conversation, that pulling somebody aside and say, hey, how you doing? Are you able to to pay for your baby's food, you know, to be able to just privately engage. And so find, we need to find ways to do that. Just because you can't do it with a big group doesn't mean you can't, with your masks, get together and have some fellowship personally. Folks, don't underestimate the value of that. Revitalizing the value of the brotherhood by seeing them through God's eyes opens the door to more readily appreciating them. Why do we say that? Because in these times, sometimes we lose our appreciation because we're so focused on trying to cope. We lose our appreciation for those around us. And in this case, show mercy to the brotherhood when they fall short, yeah. reminding ourselves that we fall short also. Right. It's a matter of if I'm going to give myself mercy before God, I must give my brother or sister mercy before God too. I must know who I am. I must know what I am part of. And third, I must not follow, not follow the temptation of tribal unity. We talked about this in our conflict uh, podcast last week, at the expense of respecting those in the world, those who are outside of the faith. Galatians 6, 9 and 10. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap it if we do not grow weary. So then, while we have opportunity let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Do good to all. Be light to all, especially the household of faith. Revitalizing my view of the average person who crosses my path means I see them as valuable recipients of Jesus' sacrifice. And we need to be willing to give mercy to all. Remember, Jesus died for them too. He did. 
This is a good place to bring up the debate about wearing a mask during this pandemic. Second Timothy 1.7 talks about having that spirit of a sound mind. And if there's a chance that a simple thing like a mask can help protect others, why wouldn't we do it? Like, I think our motivation should be to protect each other's best as we can, because we want to bring compassion and joy, and we don't want to bring sadness. So I'd like to know your thoughts on this. Mask oh, or no mask? Oh, absolutely mask. Now, let me, let me, let me qualify that. P- personally, I am not the worrier type. And, you know, in my own looking at and understanding things, I don't have that, that really, really high level of, of concern that many people do. But I understand very plainly that others do. And it would not be Christ-like of me, I think, to say to them, oh, really, look, you have nothing to worry about. Well, they do. And until it's proven to them in a different way, I'm wearing my mask. Because, and you know what? I really don't like wearing a mask. When I talk with a mask, my whole face gets sweaty, and it's just not a comfortable situation. (laughs) And, (laughs) but I will always, because I don't want to be offensive to another. I want to encourage others. Some have brought up Acts 4, 18 to 21 about the government telling the apostles not to preach in the name of Jesus. Does this apply here? Is the government restricting our liberty in some way by telling us we have to wear a mask? Well, now, is it that we have to wear a mask or we can't meet together in large numbers? It's, it's, it's all of it. Okay. It's, it's a government conspiracy, I think, is the only reason why people perhaps aren't wearing a mask. And we have to be careful of those things. You know, and, and look, as Christians, my, my take on that is if you want to get together with others, do it in a socially um, uh, reasonable way. Okay? The idea of saying, well, we're Christians, we don't have to abide by that, to me, is not a witness to being Christ-like. If we want to get together, we, we should social distance. And if they're saying you can't have 50 or more, then meet on Zoom and meet in smaller groups. Don't let, just because you can't do exactly what you want, doesn't mean you can't do several other things that can help fill the void. So if they say you can't meet in groups of 50 or more, then meet with 49. <laughs> I'm serious. Do what you can and yeah. rejoice in the opportunity always bearing about the, 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 the conscience of others, because that's, I think, a Christian's responsibility. So that's my take on masks. Okay, let, let, let's, let, let's go forward a little bit. I don't like them, but... <laughs> no one does. <laughs> okay, fourth point, I must be thoroughly willing to cut my brother, sister, spouse, or family member slack in this time when everybody's tensions are really high. Romans 14, 2 and 3. One person has faith that he may eat all things, but he who eats vegetables is weak only. The one who eats is not to regard with contempt the one who does not eat, and the one who does not eat is not to judge the one who eats, for God has accepted him. Okay, so the idea here is cut others slack. You know what? Everybody doesn't have their strength in the same areas as everybody else. And I'm weak where others are strong. They're weak where I'm strong. I have to be willing to say to them, it's okay. I get it. And actually, you know what? I'm here to build you up. And hopefully you're here to build me up as well. Revitalizing my view of my family means respecting their thinking, their emotions, 
and appreciating their genuine concerns and fears. Now, once I do that, I can better embrace them. The hardest ones to be merciful to are those who are more familiar to us. We can let our guard down and take family for granted. So we really have to focus on being merciful to our families. So as we go through this relationship exercise of looking at understanding who I am, understanding I'm part of the body of Christ and what the the value of that is, understanding the relationship I still have with people in the world and the respect I must have for them because Jesus died for them too, understanding that my family, and we, we can grade on each other, especially in the COVID environment because, you know, tensions are higher, giving them the slack that they need. And you know what this is all about? It's all about me. It's all about me making the adjustments, me doing what needs to be done to revitalize how I manage everything around me, and it lifts everybody up by doing that. Last point, fifth point, I must be sincere in my attempts to treat others always in a godly way, Romans 12, 9 through 12. Let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoice in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. There's a lot in that verse. <laughs> and here I was thinking of Luke six thirty six: be merciful just as your father is merciful. If you're going to follow an example, you might as, follow, might as well follow the highest example there can be. And when you realize the mercy of God in sending his son to ransom the world— that's pretty merciful. And we need to, in these times of difficulty and trial and stress and, 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 and loneliness and frustration, we need to revitalize everything around us relationship-wise, and I've got to do the work first. Don't wait for somebody else. Do the work first. So, Jonathan, what's our spiritual vaccination for COVID chaos in relation to relationships? Revitalize by reconnecting with a godly view of everything. This opens the door for patience, tolerance, and appreciation instead of raw emotion and reaction. See, raw emotion and reaction is where we end up parking ourselves because of all of the COVID pressures. What we're suggesting is, as Christians, we can't, no park, it's a no parking zone. Okay? Just can't park there. Your car will be towed, you know, you, and, and you're going to have to pay the fee. Don't park there. Park yourself in a place where revitalizing can actually happen, and you can be a positive influence on the lives around you. We really need diligence in these areas, as the quality of our lives and the lives of those around us depend on it. Has the COVID-19 virus been sent by God to get our attention? Is this the beginning of the end? What's up, everybody? It's your CQ voiceover guy, reminding you we also want to talk to you before and after the podcast. Send us a message at ChristianQuestions.com for any and all feedback or message us on our social media channels. Have a topic idea or just questions about what we're talking about? Reach out at ChristianQuestions.com. While we don't see COVID-19 as some plague sent by God, we do see it as permitted by Him. 
We also don't see this as the very end times, even though we do live in the time of the end. As Christians, we need to focus ourselves on being the light of the world, even if no one appreciates it. You know what? It's not a matter of who appreciates it. It's a matter of, do I shine the light through everything that I stand for? For this last segment, we will address living proactively. Okay, living proactively in this time, especially from a prophetic standpoint. But Julie, we're going to go back to Wendy now, right? Yeah, we have one more soundbite from Dr. Wendy about the clinical trials that are going on for the vaccine. Even while there remains much to learn about the virus and how immunity to it develops, there are thousands of scientists and doctors around the world currently working on this coronavirus, learning more about it at an extraordinary pace. This many months into the pandemic, there are currently 57,000 scientific articles related to SARS-CoV-2 and COVID-19 that are indexed on PubMed.gov. And that's a database of scientific articles maintained by the NIH or the National Institutes of Health. Uh, The website clinicaltrials.gov lists nearly 3,400 related clinical trials. So the scientific community knows a whole lot more now about this virus than back in March and April of this year. And even though effective vaccines and disease treatments do take time to develop, collectively, this whole level of directed activity concentrated on the pandemic should in itself provide some degree of hope that a solution is forthcoming. I think it's just amazing that you have all of these brilliant minds all trained on this one tiny little, what did you say? It was a micron. It's eight sheets of, <laughs> yeah. It's, what is it? it post-it notes? There's yeah, like yeah, yeah. Well, no, a zillion eight, of them fits on a post-it note. Well, 8,000 of them stack up next to eight post-it notes. <laughs> it's, wow. It is. It's incredible, the, the complexity of this. And you're right. All of these scientific minds are just focused in on what do we do about this? And you know what? We need hope. And while we look to God as Christians for our ultimate hope, it is really a wonderful thing to see medical science really honing in on this thing. Definitely. And I have a good quote here from Najwa Zebian. And they said, these mountains that you are carrying, you are only supposed to climb. Now, think about that quote, because I think, I love this quote. I When I saw this, it's like, this this is going in this podcast, because you think about it. Think think in terms of, of, of Jesus talking to you when you're burdened and you're carrying all the loads that you carry. And think of him saying to you, these mountains that you're carrying, I only wanted you to climb them, not mm-hmm. carry them. Put them down and just climb them one at a time. We tend to take on the, the, the burdens of our lives and just drag them with us rather than climb them and learn and move on. This is such an important experience to work through, especially from a prophetic point, which is w- where we're going to go in, in just a moment. So a weakened spiritual immune system is going to show such symptoms as these two final ones. Symptom number seven, estimating our worth and the worth in our Christian family according to worldly standards. And number eight, the inclination to think, speak, and act according to human standards, where our lifestyle is starting to change a bit. So we've given these eight red flags that our faith is waning, and you can see all these again at CQ Rewind show notes where we've taken the notes for you during each podcast at christianquestions.com or on our app. 
So our fourth and last immunity booster to boost a weakened spiritual immune system is resolve. I must have the resolve in my heart and mind to be faithful to my calling, no matter what circumstances, emotions, hardships, and prophetic times I may face. You know, Rick and Jonathan, this is that moment that is helping us to be prepared for eternity. And we have to see that because the end result is beyond magnificent. It is. And even though the moment is really difficult and feels like it's like a forever moment, it doesn't negate the fact of why it's there, where it is in the stream of time in relation to God's plan, and what we can learn from it. So it's important. Resolve. When you resolve, you decide, this is it. This is what I will do. Well, here's the thing. We are living in perilous times. We absolutely are, according to Scripture, living in the perilous times. Jonathan, 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 5, really describes it for us. But realize this, that in the last days, difficult things, times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Avoid such men as these. Man, that is a list. And, and you, 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 you a read, horrible list. You don't want to be on this list. No, no, you don't. That's for sure. And, and, and the thing about the list is you look at it and you say, oh, that looks like today. And when, you, and when you pile the pandemic on top of it, you think, wow, we're in real trouble. And yeah, it's true. It's a very troublous time. There's no question. So the question is, how am I resolved to handle being in this prophetic place and moving through these difficult things? Have I resolved to gravitate toward only those things which are righteous and godly, or have I just kind of decided to go with the flow, kind of, Julie, like your red flags we were talking about earlier? You know, a lot of people, especially in the religious community, are thinking that this is the beginning of Armageddon. And I know we've done a program, uh, episode number 969, called Will God's Vengeance Squash Us Like Bugs? <laughs> I, I don't know who made that title up, but it's very catchy. Um, so is, it, is, is the coronavirus the beginning of Armageddon? I, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think so. I think that there's a long ways to go yet. Um, I think that Armageddon will be very short and very, very intense. And I don't think we're at the intent, even though it feels incredibly intense, and it feels intense because we've never experienced anything like this before. But like we talked about earlier, you go back to other times in history, not too, too, too long ago, and you see incredible intensity and incredible stress and incredible uh, death and sickness and unrest and un uncertainty in all kinds of places. So while this is difficult, no, I don't think it's Armageddon. So what do we do with all of this? Well, our hope, and this is about hope, our hope is a living hope. No hope in all of this world can claim that. Resolve to hope. What do we mean by that? First Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. Jonathan will take it in several pieces. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again in a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Okay, a living hope. 
Why? Because the hope of our going through our present experience and the trial and the difficulty and the, and the pain and the suffering and the trauma says that it's a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus. It's living because Jesus lives. Jesus lives after he died because of the grace of God and the payment of the ransom. That is a living hope that includes us and by extension the rest of the world. Our entire life experience now is to prepare us for a future with Jesus. So we said already, resolve to hope. We need to also resolve to prepare. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 4 here. To obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Rick, you've talked a lot about finding true north in other podcasts. How does finding true north respond to this topic and to that last scripture that was just read? See, I think that 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 mental picture of finding true north, it's the compass that always goes back to its magnetic north. Why does it do that? Because that's what it is programmed to do. We as Christians need to always go back to our true north, and that's why we said reset find your foundation. That's just another way of saying finding true north. Find the direction that tells you where you are. See, when you know where true north is, you can figure out the rest of the directions. You can figure out where east, south, north, and, uh, and, and west are. You, you can figure everything out if you know that. And true north is magnetic. It's sure. It's sound. God's plan is true north. It's magnetic. It's sure. It's sound. We have to Stay with that, and then determine everything else as a result of it. So when we find True North, it really fits into this, uh, this, this conversation today very, very well. So let's continue with 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. In life or death, in certainty or trauma, we live a protected life. Now you might think, wait, I don't feel very protected now. I feel very vulnerable. I feel very out there because I lost my job. I lost my business, on and on and on and on. You're still protected. What we need to do is resolve to embrace that protection. Well, what does it look like when you're feeling vulnerable? Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 1, Jonathan now 5 through 7. Who are protected by the power of God through faith, for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor to the revelation of Jesus Christ. Okay, so... The idea of being protected, it says, a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. You have it. It's part of you, but you have to go through difficulties now. So you're still protected because the end result is there as long as we stay the course. It's a beautiful picture of protection through the hard experience. I found a lot of statistics on what's going on with, with the COVID-19, and these are current statistics. This comes from the Center of Disease Control. During late June, 40% of U.S. adults reported struggling with mental health or substance use. Uh, there was an increase of 31% with anxiety and depression symptoms. There was an increase of 26% with trauma, stressor-related disorder symptoms, 
there was a 13% increase started or increased substance use, and there was an 11% increase in seriously considered suicide. And so those are uh, very eye-opening. Uh, also, the Nielsen report um, wrote that alcohol sales in stores were up 54% in late March compared to that time last year, while online sales were up nearly 500% in late April. According to the morning consult poll of 2,200 U.S. adults conducted in April, 16% of all adults said they were drinking more during the pandemic with higher rates among younger adults. And here's something that we don't think much about. A lot of AA meetings, especially those held at churches, were canceled, mm. forcing members to meet remotely. Meeting on Zoom for AA has been a difficult uh, experience for many. They need that personal contact for encouragement. Many have formed groups to keep in touch through phone, email, or Facebook. But summer weather has helped by enabling uh, outdoor social distancing meetings. But winter is coming. So there, you said a mouthful there. There's a lot of moving parts. And you look at that and the sale of alcohol and the, and the higher depression and, and thoughts and, and acts uh, toward, toward, toward hurting yourself and, and all of those. You look at that and say, okay, what, about, what, what, if I'm, what if I'm going through that? Are you telling me I'm still protected? If you are a faithful follower of Christ, yes. Yes, we are. Why? Because we experience what the world experiences. Except what we need to do even if I can't get my, my heart right around it yet, we need to understand what our hope really is and the fact that our hope is eternal. God doesn't look for us to be necessarily victorious in all of our daily experiences. He looks for our effort. And that, to me, is a wonderful way to embrace his protection because our trial is for the sake of eternity, not for the sake of how does it work out tomorrow. Okay, let's keep that perspective. Finally, on these verses in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 9, faith in God's grace and plan is our deliverance. The deliverance is having the faith. It's not, I mean, it's, it's a great part of it to be actually be delivered when it's time, but our deliverance is having that faith. So resolve, therefore, to live by faith. 1 Peter 1, uh, verses 8 and 9. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. Which means we aren't supposed to be sitting around complaining or being fearful. And that First Timothy 1.7 quote that we, that we quoted earlier talks about having, remember that spirit of a sound mind? Mm -hmm. The beginning of that text is really powerful. It says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. So we want to make sure that we're not involved in this spirit of fear because that's not Christ-like. And again, if we have fear, it doesn't come from God. But what can we do with the fear? We can act in the presence of fear and become courageous because we act based on our faith. Julie, you had mentioned that there were some uh, Facebook uh, comments uh, in terms of just managing through COVID and so forth. Just, just yes, time we for a asked, couple. Yes, we asked the question on our Facebook page, what are you doing during the pandemic to feel closer to God? And we got some wonderful uh, answers, and I just wanted to read two of them. Sally said this, trusting him, knowing that with so many unknowns that he's in control of my life and nothing can happen to me that he won't see me through. Even the bad stuff, he gives me peace. And Katie said, 
Uh, I read my scriptures daily and communicating with him through prayer. Although the world is in commotion right now, the one person who knows how everything's going to play out is God. (laughs) And I trust him and I trust his plan. So I thought it was really interesting. There's a lot of people that say that during this COVID isolation, they've actually boosted their spirituality because they've had the time. They've had time to read their Bible, time to study, time to talk to people in other countries of their their um, their Christian family. So the important thing there is, okay, that's wonderful. If I've been able to, I feel stronger. Now the challenge, folks, is if that's you, how are you going to take that strength and shine it to others? What will you do in your daily life with your fellow Christians or with those members of the of society that you cross paths to help encourage them? Because this is hard, and it requires everything we have to offer so we can reset, respond, revitalize, and resolve our lives. So, Jonathan, our final spiritual vaccination for the COVID chaos we're experiencing. Resolve implies a final decision. When we know the pathway for all to get to God's kingdom must pass through the harshness of sin, death, and destruction, let us resolve to faithfully and steadily walk towards that end. God's kingdom will come and his will will be done. This is a powerful part of everything. God's kingdom will come. His will will be done. Revelation, Jonathan, just very quickly, Revelation 21.4 is a great snapshot of what we look forward to. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. So when we look at those things, what we see is the opportunity to lay hold of a plan that is specific and it's dynamic because it takes all of the harshness of the world in which we live and says, this is not the end. It's a process to get to the end, which in fact is the beginning, the beginning of life without pain, without suffering because of the ransom of Jesus. Folks, COVID-19 is hard. It's difficult. It taxes us. Do not, do not give in to the harshness of what we're dealing with. Instead, reset your foundation on Christ. Respond, act when you have those difficult things, especially financially. Revitalize your relationships and resolve to live by faith. You're a Christian. Be the light. Think about it. Folks, we really do want to hear from you. Give us your feedback or send us your questions on this episode and other episodes at ChristianQuestions.com. Also, a big part of spreading the word about our program is subscribing to Christian Questions in iTunes or Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, whatever your favorite podcast channel is. Please rate us and review us. We'd greatly appreciate it. Coming up next week, part two, can biblical strategies resolve serious conflicts? There's a lot of valuable, valuable lessons in that part two. Can biblical strategies resolve serious conflicts? Talk to you next week.